What's up, guys? This is Jacques. Welcome back to Unpopular. Apparently, this is episode 30, which I cannot believe. I feel like we're only on episode 10 or something, especially since I rebranded the show a while ago and I felt like that was the true beginning. But anyway, shout out to all my day one listeners and welcome to anybody new who is just discovering this mess of a podcast. First up, I'm not even going to ask you to rate and review the show today because you guys have left me the best reviews over the last week or two. I mean, like, legit Shakespearean reviews. It is so good. I've been, like, loving it. Someone said, uh, Jacques is the kind of person who would tell you the straight-up answer to your do these jeans make me look fat question. That is very accurate because I will tell you if the jeans make you look fat. Only if you ask me, though. I don't just, like, blurt it out on the spot like Ramona Singer would. But you guys obviously get me and what I'm about, and you know what? I actually realise that I have more ratings and reviews on my little pod than, like, other bigger shows that have been around way longer, so love that for me. We're just going to talk about some random stuff today, but if you want more of a Bravo fix, head on over to Mandy Sluska's podcast. It's called Is This Real Life? Because I was on that show we recorded yesterday, it dropped last night, And we just talked all Housewives and Bravo shows for, like, over an hour. So, if you want some more, like, Bravo tea from me, head on over there. I am trying to convince some Bravo lebs uh, to come on the podcast again, because I know you guys love my Housewives interviews and you keep asking for more. So, I am on it. Uh, There's a few things that I haven't got around to chasing up because obviously the last few weeks have been kind of hectic with, you know, all the stuff with my dad and everything. But I am getting on top of things. I have like a list of people that I have to chase up. I was actually messaging with Sheena from Vanderpump Rules about coming on the podcast. I interviewed her a couple of years ago when she was in Sydney. Uh, I think she was promoting Vanderpump Rules. I mean, of course she was promoting Vanderpump Rules. What else would she be here for? And uh, she remembered me because I reached out to her and I'm like, remember me? I met you in Sydney. And she said she would love to come on the podcast. But she said that she has to get permission from Bravo first. And... I was hoping that, like, she could just slide on into my show without Bravo's approval because Vanderpump Rules has been off the air for so long and we haven't heard anything about them filming a new season. But if she's still going through Bravo for her press, and that makes me think, well, she's still under her Bravo contract, which indicates that Vanderpump Rules is coming back because otherwise she would be like, who cares, and she would just do the interview with me. So I thought that was pretty interesting. I also got a um, a message from another Vanderpump Rules star that I have been trying to get on the podcast literally since I launched, uh, and then I think she's finally keen. So, fingers crossed for that one. Anyway, I am really into this Jen Shah case right now. Like, I'm kind of bored with a lot of the Bravo stuff, but the Jen Shah thing has really sucked me in. And I usually don't follow these kind of things that closely, uh, but I just feel like Jen Shah has become a big part of the podcast. Like, my brand is hating Jen Shah, so we need to follow this case together and just see it through. It's really fucking juicy, too. Like, there is so much to this whole thing, like, with the complexities of the case and how deep it goes and just how eccentric Jen Shah is as a person, you could probably make a HBO series on this. You don't even need to watch Housewives to find this whole thing just like juicy and fascinating. So, the latest news is that Jen pled guilty as expected. Remember I told you last week that her defense is just going to be denying any wrongdoing because the prosecution has to prove that she knowingly knew that her telemarketing leads were being used to defraud people. So, she is just going to 
play stupid and act like she was doing a legitimate telemarketing business, I think, and that she didn't know that there was a gigantic scam being run underneath her, even though she was clearly the mastermind. She's also DM'd with uh, some fans on Instagram. She told one fan that she was innocent and that she's going to continue filming the Salt Lake City Housewives. That's not a huge shock because I think if Jen Shah got sentenced to the death penalty, she'll still have cameras rolling as they fried her in the electric chair. She is that fucking thirsty. Maybe she could do a spin-off. Jen Shah goes to hell. Follow the outrageous real housewife as she leaves her life of luxury on earth for eternal damnation in the afterlife. She'll probably, like, throw a glass of wine on Lucifer or something. By the way, if I get some legal terms wrong, don't get mad at me. I'm not Phaedra Parks and I'm not a true crime junkie, so I mix up fucking what a attorney and a prosecution and a defense and a this and a that is, okay? I'm just like reading, you know, page six and Twitter and regurgitating it to you guys, okay? <laughs> So, according to this article that I'm reading in Variety, the attorney prosecuting the case said that Jen Shah and her assistant, Stuart, who is her co-conspirator, they are at the, quote, highest level of this scam and that they have scammed millions of dollars from people. This is like big time white collar crime stuff. One of their shell companies alone brought in $5 million. That's just one company and they had multiple companies. So let me just uh, explain again what Jen and her Shah squad of scammers were doing, okay? So I got some of this from the Juicy Scoop Patreon um, and from reading articles, so definitely check out Juicy Scoop's Patreon if you're not subscribed to that because she had an amazing breakdown uh, of just the whole scandal. So Jen would sell these telemarketing leads like, you know, the name and phone number, etc., of somebody who was, like, ripe to be scammed, usually people that were over the age of 55 with savings and no debt, then a company calls the lead, all right, and they would sell them these fake business opportunities and investments. So I'd be like, hey, you know, pay us $15,000 and we'll create this website for you that's going to generate you all of this income. And if they made the sale, then Jen would get a cut of that money. Now, what would happen is that the website is fake. It's total bullshit. And the person then is suddenly in all of this debt because they've spent whatever savings they have on this scam business venture. Then what Jen Shah would do is she would target this person again. Okay, so she would sell the lead again and then she would resell it to a different company, right? And then this other company would come and target the person with debt solutions or like add-ons to their existing purchase. So instead of just scamming somebody once, you'd get to like double dip, double dip and milk them twice to like take them for all they're worth. But Jen is behind both of them. So she creates the issue in the first place. Then she swoops in, takes advantage, pretends that she's going to fix it for you, but she's actually scamming you again. I mean, how fucking evil is this? Now, this is just the tip of the iceberg, by the way, and I don't want to spill all of the tea from Juicy Scoop's Patreon because, you know, obviously that's behind a paywall and everything. So please go and listen to that if you want some more of this. But this whole scam, it's like really sophisticated. There's a lot of moving parts. There's like multiple fake companies and grants and fake contracts. Like it was so deep that when the victims of the scam would contact their credit card companies to report the fraud, Genshar's people would come in with like fake documents and then they would fool the credit card companies so these people's fraud claims would get knocked back and they wouldn't be reimbursed for the money. Like this is how serious this is. 
Now, as I told you last week, Jen learned all of these telemarketing skills from working at this shady company in Utah called Prosper Inc. Now, I don't know if Prosper actually has anything to do with this current case that, you know, she's been running because when I type in Prosper Inc. and Jen Shah into Google News, nothing comes up. So, I don't think they're involved in this. So, To me, it just looks like Jen learned all the tricks of the trade over at Prosper, then she and her assistant, Stuart Smith, started running their own scam together. If you remember from last episode, Prosper sold these, like, bullshit coaching courses in, like, marketing and stuff like that. They were tied in with all these famous life coaches, kind of like Tony Robbins types, but obviously not as famous as that, more like wannabe Tony Robbins. And Prosper also ran like this boiler room call center where they would aggressively like sell these packages to people and then upsell them even more stuff. And it was pretty much a a fraud operation thing. They didn't even have a set price for these coaching packages. They would like feel out the person and figure out how much money they have. And then they'll be like, oh, well, actually it's, you know, 5,000. Oh no, it's 10,000, you know, depending on how much money the victim has. Something funny from this is that at the recent hearing, the judge said that Jen needs to refrain from excessive drinking because, as you all know, when Jen would drink on the show, she would get super aggressive and break things and throw glasses and attack people. So maybe the judge is like a fan of Salt Lake City Housewives. I don't know. Since the hearing, Jen is also back on social media. She's posting supportive messages from her Shah squad. She's DMing with fans, saying that she's innocent. She's sharing free Jen t-shirts. Like, this woman has to be mentally ill. Like, I'm not even trying to be shady with that. Like, she's got, like, BPD or NPD or something. This is not normal behavior. Also, to her fans defending her, what the fuck is wrong with you? Now, you know that I love to defend a problematic reality star. Like, Jesus basically put me on this earth to do that. But Jen Shah is too far, like, and she's not innocent, okay? From what I've seen, I know it's meant to be innocent until proven guilty. From everything I've seen with this and from what I've seen of her personality, like, guilty as charged lock her up, throw away the key. And even if she was innocent, her antics on the show and everything that leaked out since is enough to, like, get rid of her. Like, that, it's enough to make me hate her. She's that bad already. So, she was already horrible before. This scam on top of it, even worse. Like, she's just irredeemable. Let me know if you like the Jen Shah coverage, by the way, because I am really into this. I find it really interesting. And I'm thinking of getting this very prominent journalist on the podcast who has been covering the Jen Shah thing in depth. She knows like all the ins and outs of the case and she can probably explain things better than I can. So I was thinking of maybe just doing like a deep dive Jen Shah scam special episode. Tell me if that's something you'd be into if you're, or if like you're just kind of over it because I know that heaps of podcasts now are getting on like legal experts or people to comment on the case. There is a bit of Jen Shah oversaturation for sure. So if you're like, you know what, we've had enough Jen Shah, um, yeah, let me know and I'll just cover it here and there, but I won't do like a whole special episode. I'm behind on a lot of TV shows right now. Like, I haven't kept up to date with Temptation Island because it just was not giving me what I needed. Um, I'm even fallen behind on Below Deck Sailing Yacht, which I actually fucking love. So, I need to make some time for that. But I have been listening to a lot of podcasts and I listen to Brandy and Stephanie's podcast. They're from The Real Housewives of Dallas, obviously. And... I was appalled. As a podcaster, I was disgusted. I was outraged. 
their podcast is a disgrace. So the show is named after them, right? It's called A Weekly Dose of BS. Get it? Brandy and Stephanie. Pretty clever name, to be honest. I really like that name. But they have this male co-host named Trey, and he does 90% of the talking. And he's really good, by the way, so I'm not shading Trey. Like... He's amazing. I just think it's so unfair when a celebrity needs their producer or their co-host to carry their entire show. Like, almost every celebrity podcast does that. I've been listening to the Paris Hilton podcast recently as well, and she's the same. Like, her co-host carries that entire show, and then Paris kind of passively chimes in here and there. And look, I know that I'm not Joe Rogan or Howard Stern or... Who else is big in, like, whatever? You know, whatever. I'm not one of those fucking people. I'm not, like, some superstar. But if you can't hold down a podcast episode without your producer or your co-host on the mic doing, like, all of the heavy lifting and all of the work, then you are just not a real podcaster. You're fucking lazy. Anyway, so this guy, Trey, right, he's doing all of the talking. Stephanie was, like, chiming in where she could. Um, She didn't really have anything interesting to say. Uh, It was just kind of similar to Stephanie on The Real Housewives of Dallas, just stating the obvious. And Brandy was recording her parts on her cell phone in the car with her kids. The audio was a mess. You could hear her dashboard ticking. Like, you know when... I don't know how to drive, so I don't know, like, car terms. (laughs) But you know when you, like, turn and then it goes tick, 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 the indicator? You could hear that. And you could hear traffic noise. And you could hear her kids talking. She would literally just start talking to the kids while Trey and Stephanie were... um, just talking about stuff on the podcast. I was like, are you fucking serious? Like, why even bother? Just sit this episode out. Just make it the fucking weekly dose of Trey and Stephanie. If you can't even put aside 40 minutes to, like, get a babysitter, which she can obviously afford. Brandy's, like, wealthy. Or she could have a friend, you know, a friend or a family member come over to look after the kids while you just go in your study for 40 minutes and get on your laptop and do a fucking Zoom call and record the podcast. Like, it's not that hard. You're not editing it. Like, celebrities never edit their own podcast. They never even do the show outline. They have their network or their producer does all of that. So, literally, all she needs to do is just slot out some time to sit by herself in quiet for 30, 40 minutes and record her audio. Instead, she's calling in on her cell phone. It was a fucking mess. And I have nothing against reality stars using their platforms to launch other, you know, business ventures and to get ahead, but just, like, do it properly. Don't half-ass it. It's just so insulting to, one, your listeners, because your listeners are a fan of you from the show, so then they follow you over to your podcast, and then you can't even give them a proper podcast. And then it's just insulting to other podcasters who work hard, because... Me and a bunch of other people, like, bust our asses trying to, like, get our shows out and we come up with, you know, all the concepts and, like, you know, write out scripts and outlines and then we have to, like, edit it and market it and promote it ourselves and, like, you guys don't fucking do anything and all you have to do is show up and record your audio and you can't even do that. So, that annoyed me and maybe I'll retract my brandy defending now because I have kind of been defending her because I felt bad for how much she's been trolled and now I'm like oh whatever I also listened to Carol from the New York Housewives she was on the Not Skinny Not Fat podcast FYI I'm dying to get on that podcast and I want to have her on mine but that's another story that's just something I'm working on in my mind (laughs) because I feel like she and I would have a good vibe but look Carol drives me crazy sometimes with her politics because She's just such an elitist. Like, I can't stand her brand of, like, 
very moderate centrist civility politics. That's my like trigger button of <laughs> what annoys me politically. Plus, she's so pretentious, but she is also great when it comes to discussing housewives because she's so articulate and she just doesn't hold back. And she is able to kind of look at situations from the show and behind the scenes with a lot of clarity and explain them so well in a way that I think that a lot of the other housewives can't do. So on this podcast, she did say stuff that we kind of already know. Like she she didn't say the show was fake, but like she kind of said the show was fake. And she said that the women aren't really friends and they're just work colleagues. She said that Bethany faked the demise of their friendship for a storyline and that their friendship had always been transactional and not genuine, which I believe a million percent. She said that she thought they were really friends, but she later realized she was just being used by Bethany. This makes total sense to me. That's definitely how Bethany maneuvers through life and through the world of showbiz and entertainment. Heather McDonald said the other week, I'm quoting Heather McDonald a lot, aren't I? Um, Heather said the other week that Bethany walked off on her like mid-conversation because she saw Chelsea Handler walk past because obviously Chelsea Handler at the time was a step up than Heather McDonald and Bethany's just like, who's the biggest name in the room? Who can get me the furthest? Who can get me the opportunities that I need? And it's like to the point that she'll just leave you mid-conversation to like chase after that next thing. And you know, you think about how Bethany sees the world, she probably just looks at everything as a business opportunity or a step up to the next thing. I would say that outside of her daughter Bryn and her two dogs, she probably does not care about anybody or anything. But yeah, this interview with Carol was pretty good. I do always enjoy listening to her takes. Uh, At the end of the interview, though, she said that she was fighting with her local government just about a bunch of, like, bullshit. Like, she's such a fucking Karen, like, Carol the Karen. One of the issues that she had, right, was that they had put a bunch of city bikes at the end of her street and they removed, like, you know, a few car spots to do it. And it's like, that is such an American liberal elite thing in a nutshell. Like, they preach and scold everybody for not being, you know, woke and progressive enough, but then they're upset that they can't drive their fucking petrol-guzzling Jeep Cherokee around New York because there's some bicycles in the way. Like, that That's how I see Carol. Um, But I do like Carol, but she's just, she is that person. Like, she's that, that, she's kind of like a caricature of that snobby, like, SNL liberal elite. And that's also why she worked good on the show, because then you have the kind of, like, you know, a Kelly Dodd or something that is like that cartoonish kind of obnoxious Republican type. And then you have Carol, who's sort of like a bit of a hypocrite and like looks down on everyone and is just like a total elitist. So that's what makes these shows good. That's why I like these characters, like the Carols and the Kelly Dodds, because they do bring that unique point of view. <laughs> anyway, I um I also listened to Demi Lovato on Joe Rogan. Now, Demi was promoting her new album and some documentary film about her drug addiction, which is honestly like the third time she's done this. Without fail, this chick comes out every three or four years with a new album and a new documentary that is about her being like a depressed addict. Like, she's actually a really talented singer and it's kind of a shame because she's more known now for her personal life than her music, although I think she actually wants it that way and she does use her personal life to promote her music, so, you know, whatever, but... Like, the first time she did this was 10 years ago, right? She dropped this album called Unbroken, and she did this MTV documentary about how she'd been using drugs, and she was depressed, and she was self-harming, which was all true, because we had sort of seen that in the media. I think it leaked out originally against her will, because things got so bad, and then she had to go into a treatment facility, and then she 
you know, she tackled the issues head on with this documentary and with the album. So it was like, okay, you know, we've done it now. Then in 2017, she came out again with another documentary called Simply Complicated. And of course, it coincided with a new album. And then she was like, well, I was actually still high while I was promoting Unbroken and that was bullshit. But now I'm on top of everything and I'm sober and, uh, you know, it was I'm being treated and it's all good. And like, this is the real me and you're going to hear about it in my new album. So, okay, that was the second time. And after that came out, she relapsed again, and now she's back with her third documentary, an accompanying accompanying album. Uh, this one is called Dancing with the Devil. It's just turning a bit into, like, the boy who cried wolf now. Like, how many times can you keep coming out and being like, you know what, this time I'm really telling the truth, even though I told you last time that I was telling the truth, but this time it's actually for real? It's like, okay. I think she... Probably does help a lot of young people, though, every time she does come out, because she seems to have every possible issue under the sun, from, like, mental health to addiction to everything in between. So she probably does really help a lot of people when she comes out and she speaks so openly about it and so publicly, because then other people in their real life, when they're going through it, they can see someone like Demi Lovato and they can feel like, oh, I'm not weird for feeling depressed or self-harming, you know. Demi Lovato even goes through it and she got treatment, so maybe I'm going to go and get treatment too. So, all that's, you know, very positive, but come on, she does use her struggles to sell her music and to stay relevant in the media. She has really been able to monetize her victimhood and... Yeah, I mean, the fact that she's done this three times within 10 years says a lot. So, I watched her on Joe Rogan, and to be honest, I thought she would be cringier than she actually was. She seemed pretty nice. Like, she did have some of the, like, wanky LA pop star thing going on. Like, she kept talking about, like, her spiritual healer, and she said that her her healer predicted COVID. She was like, you know, my healer told me in in February that the world was going to slow down. And Joe was like, that bitch isn't psychic. Everyone knew that COVID was coming in February. <laughs> so she kind of had that like pop star airhead thing going on, but she was also like pretty smart in a lot of other ways. And she was sort of self-deprecating and she was nice. And she seemed aware of how Joe thought of her and kind of like made fun of herself for it in like a endearing way. And good on her for going on Joe Rogan in the first place, because in some circles he is considered pretty controversial. And Demi Lovato, as much as she talks about all of her, you know, her struggles and her this and her that, she is pretty like, she's very generic sort of cookie cutter type pop star in the grand scheme of things. So for her to go on Joe Rogan and to risk getting backlash and still going on anyway, I thought that was pretty cool. At one point, it was kind of funny. She said she was like sexually fluid and she seemed like really proud of herself. And then she said she was pansexual and Joe's like, yeah, like we used to call that bisexual. (laughs) It's just like your updated terminology. And uh, she did make some comments about how it's nobody's business if she's sober. And I'm like, um, well, you made it the world's business with three documentary films on it. So pretty sure at this point, it is our business to know like everything going on because you milk it whenever you can to like sell records. Then she said that she was a California sober, which means she smokes weed and possibly still drinks. And look, I'm not going to judge her sobriety because everyone's journey is different when it comes to that. And my dad was a sober alcoholic. So I've grown up around it and I've heard all of the like AA talk and the sober talk and my dad was always getting other people sober so I'm like pretty across it all but 
I'm just going to say this is not going to be the last documentary we get from Demi Lovato about her addiction journey. I think I think we'll probably get another one coming in the next three or four years. She was cool, though, although she did say a comment that this drives me crazy and celebrities say this all the time. OK, so Demi went, um, it was something like, I don't care what someone in Idaho thinks about my sobriety. And it's like, girl, you're not better than somebody just because you live in Los Angeles. Like. I'm from a small town where I grew up uh, in Australia, and I moved to Sydney on my own when I was 16, and it was really fucking hard. And if you're born in a small town, it can be really difficult to get out, like, financially and for a lot of other reasons. So I just hate it when celebrities make these comments, like, as if anybody that, like, ever criticizes them or says anything about them is some loser from Idaho or Alabama and is therefore irrelevant in the grand scheme of life. Like, no bitch, show some respect. So, I didn't like that. Um, There was another funny part and kind of awkward as well. So, Joe was... I guess he was defending Chris Pratt because he was talking about how, I don't know if Chris Pratt is officially a Republican, but he's like very Christian. And Joe was talking about how like, you know, liberal Hollywood tries to cancel Chris Pratt because of it. And then he started complaining about these preachy liberal Hollywood celebrities who tell everyone, you know, how to live and what to do. And he went off on this tangent about it and like Demi's in front of him. And I'm thinking, okay, Joe, you really don't know who Demi Lovato is because that's her in a nutshell. Like, her whole brand is, like, preaching to people and <laughs> telling people all this shit. Like, Demi Lovato literally released an anti-Trump song a few months ago called Commander-in-Chief, and it was very sanctimonious. Like, cringe factor was 10,000. A very generic video clip as well. You know those videos that pop stars always do them, and it's, it'll be, like, a bunch of diverse people, like, lip-syncing the song in black and white. Like, it's such a trope. It'll be, like, someone in a wheelchair, someone disabled, someone, you know, with this. Like, it was one of those videos. And, uh, you know, I remember when I was a teenager and George Bush was still president and Pink released this, like, Bush-bashing song called Dear Mr. President. And at the time, I thought it was, like, so radical to put out a song like that. And I remember my friend was like... Everybody has a fucking George Bush song. Like, how is this edgy? (laughs) It's so true. Like, you're really not doing anything transgressive by attacking the one person who everybody already hates and the entire media and Hollywood shits on daily. (laughs) Like, you're you're not putting your neck out doing that. You're just saying what everyone else says. Like, not saying that these songs aren't accurate depictions of, you know, George Bush and Donald Trump and whoever else, but it's like, okay, you're echoing the same socially acceptable opinion as every single other person in your industry and every single other person in your demographic that, like, you know, buys your music or whatever. You're not really doing anything radical here. Record Dear Mr. Democrat in Hollywood and see how much love you get then. You would be eviscerated. You can't even be a celebrity and support, like, a progressive third-party candidate. You get given kind of, like, I feel like there's a selection of maybe, like, five sort of centrist corporate Democrats that the media considers acceptable for you to like. And then if you step outside of that little bubble, you're crucified. I still see people attacking Susan Sarandon, like, I think five years later from when she supported Bernie Sanders and Jill Stein in the 2016 election. Like, come on, five fucking years later and you're still going on about it. Like, tweets about it still come up in my timeline. I see people replying to Susan's tweets like, um, you know, oh, how does it feel that you supported Jill Stein? It's like... Girl, are we still stuck in 2016? Like, move on. Like, I'm pretty sure there's bigger factors in elections than who Susan Sarandon chooses to vote for. 
pretty sure there's like bigger things going on than that. While we're on this topic, actually, Rose McGowan just got suspended from Twitter for a political tweet. And she's pretty out there with some of her views. Like Demi Lovato, she is not. Rose is always sort of like pushing the envelope and saying the sort of things that would normally get you in trouble. I'm actually a big fan of hers. We follow each other on Twitter and I did ask her to come on my podcast and she left me on red because we had talked once before, actually. We'd had a nice back and forth and I think we, what were we talking about? Oh, we we were talking about how everyone that, actually, I won't even say what we're talking. We were (laughs) talking, we were talking about stuff. And uh, then I asked her to come on my podcast and she left me on red and I'm not surprised because my tweets would come up in her timeline. I don't really tweet that much political stuff. Like sometimes I'll do a little bit or a retweet or something sort of a bit tongue in cheek, but I've toned a lot of that down now. I definitely got a bit caught up during the Democratic primary, but I'm back to, you know, my normal regularly scheduled tweets for the most part of like K-pop and Real Housewives. So Rose McGowan probably sees that and thinks, why the fuck would I go on this guy's podcast when he just sits around talking about the Real Housewives all day? She does have an incredible story though. Like Even if you don't agree with what she says, she has really, like, led a life and she's had some crazy, mind-blowing shit happen to her. And I really hope that I can get her on the show one day because that would be a hell of an episode. Anyway, she got suspended from Twitter for a misleading tweet and... It was kind of like she was basically attacking people who put their political party over their principles, blah, blah, blah. I agree with her, but she capped it off right by posting this photo of Bill Clinton naked getting a massage from, like, a trafficked sex worker on Jeffrey Epstein's island. The only thing is that the photo was fake. Apparently, it was an art piece or something, but Rose didn't even say that the image was fake when she posted it. She was like, this photo was taken on Jeffrey Epstein's island. So she was basically, I think she probably thought that it was real. I think that someone probably sent it to her and she thought it was legitimate. Um, So she reposted it and... Look, we all know that Bill Clinton was caught lying about how many times he was on Epstein's private jet, and that photo is probably quite accurate of his time on the island, but you really can't share an image like that and present it as being real like Rose did when it isn't. So, as much as I would like to defend her on this, I kind of get why she got in trouble for this, because, I mean, that's like the epitome of putting out fake news. And a lot of the times I do think that Twitter and some of the other tech are bullshit with the sort of news that they choose to remove and then the stuff that they keep on. I'm a bit like, that's not fake news. Why are you taking that down? But this is literally fake news. So, of course, she's in trouble. I've seen that she's been on like a little bit of a campaign. Uh, She went on some news station and was like telling off the CEO of Twitter for silencing her and... I mean, I'm still Team Rose, but, like, girl, you were wrong for that one. (laughs) Oh, speaking of social media, I've been getting trolled for, like, the dumbest shit recently. So the other day, this weird troll that was, like, in my DMs. Remember when I did the episode about um, the person that we call Charlotte, codenamed Charlotte? Uh, I had this, like, fan of hers or something that was, like, blowing up my DMs and he was like, why are you defending Kelly Dodd? And I was like, I'm not defending Kelly Dodd. Can you listen to my podcast? And he was like, I did listen and you were. And I'm like, I literally wasn't, like, please, because he actually hadn't listened to it. And he was going back and forth in my DMs. I can't, actually, no, I won't read them out. That's, like, 
bad etiquette, I think, to read out people's DMs. But anyway, he was blowing up my DMs and I was like trying to keep it cute. And then we ended the conversation and then like, I don't know, a day later or something, I had this like one star review. I think it was my first bad review I ever got on the podcast. And it was like, um, I can't believe this guy defended Kelly Dodd after she doxed someone. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure you wrote that review and that you didn't listen to my podcast. <laughs> Cause I literally like called Kelly Dodd out for like doxing that random person. But anyway, I thought this troll was like gone forever because I'm like a normal person. And I assume that it's like, if you don't like someone, you just like don't listen to them and you kind of like move on, you know, but he randomly commented on this, uh, post of mine on my Instagram and the post was like a week or two old and then he randomly commented on it and he was like fuck what did he say he was like um you would love Megan Kelly and Tucker Carlson or something like that and it's just like such an eye roll like my fucking eyes nearly fell out of my head like why would I like Tucker like what have I said that means that I like Tucker Carlson it's so Some Americans are so fucking brainwashed. No offense to you guys, like, not all of you, but you guys get in, like, such... You're, like, little camps, and then you, if something, like, deviates from what you think is the way that people are supposed to, like, feel about things, then you just, like, other them. Like, what have I said that even fucking matches Tucker Carlson? It's just so fucking stupid. And then... I was like, tried to respond to him sort of nicely. And I'm like, look, I know you were defending your friend or whatever, because I think he was friends with Charlotte, but I'm like, I don't like Tucker Carlson. <laughs> like, calm down. And then he started like gaslighting me. It's like, it's not that deep and all this shit when I kind of like clapped back at him. It's like, oh my God, he came on my page commenting on like an old post of mine. And then when I like corrected you then you're like gaslighting me and pretending like there's no issue it's like um hello and then I had um oh by the way if I like do I like Megan Kelly I don't really like Tucker Carlson but um I did watch that bombshell I watched that bombshell movie you know with like Nicole Kidman and Margot Robbie and it's about how they were getting sexually harassed at Fox News I watched that and I just was a bit reality tv'd out like I was like I need to watch something scripted and I thought that that would be kind of fun like I thought it would be a little bit cheesy and campy which it was a little bit but it was actually really well acted too and I got sucked into it like I just thought I'll just put this on it'll be easy to watch I'll just put it on in the background and then I ended up like really liking it and fuck Charlize Theron is such a good actress like I forget because I actually don't watch that many like new movies like I I, when I watch movies, I watch, like, older stuff, like, from when, you know, like, Hollywood was good, like, the 70s and 60s and 80s and stuff. And um, I was really impressed by the acting in that movie, and I really liked how Charlize played Megan's, uh, played Megan Kelly, and I don't really follow Megan Kelly, like, that closely. And then after it, I, because, um, I mean, I know the obvious, like, the headlines about Megan Kelly, but I've never really, like, gone that deep on her. And then I was searching her up on YouTube and she did like a post bombshell interview with like the real people that were represented in the film and she did a really good job and I'm like oh she's actually a pretty good journalist like even though I don't agree with you know a lot of her things she's definitely more on that like Republican side than I am I think she's really smart um 
I love the sound of her voice. She has that really great, like, broadcaster voice. I think she knows how to do a really good interview, and I think she can be pretty objective at times with certain interviews she does. So, I don't know, maybe I am a Megyn Kelly stint. Like, who fucking cares anyway? But, yeah, then I got trolled on Twitter, and this was so stupid, right? So, this popped up in my timeline. Some lame, like... Ariana Grande fan or something said, Cher is a non-factor in music history. I don't know why people are so up her ass. She has three hits max. And I was like, I'm not even, I mean, I'm a fan of Cher, but like, just objectively, I mean, she has more than three fucking hits. Like, she's one of the most iconic, successful entertainers in like, history. I mean, she's like the only person I think that has had hits in like 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. Like who else has done that? That's fucking incredible. Um, And I replied to the tweet and I just went three hits, question mark. Then I went bang, bang, gypsies, tramps and thieves, turn back time, believe I found someone, half breed, dark lady, take me home, shoop, shoop, I got you, babe. And that's just off the top of my head. And then I had all of these crazy Mariah Carey fans in my mentions, like, arguing with me and like, well, Mariah has more and more people know who Mariah and Whitney are and all of this shit. And I'm just like, well, okay, I mean, they're successful artists too. Maybe more people do, but I was trying to, like, reason with them normally. I'm like, well, actually, probably more younger people know who Mariah is because she still has that Christmas song and she was still, like, Mariah still had some hit songs, especially in America. In, like, the 2010s, I guess. Early 2010s. I don't know when her last, you know, real hit was. But she definitely was still, like, relevant post-2000. Whereas Sher has been around, like, Sher's been around since the 60s. Mariah Carey, what, debuted in, like, 1990 or something. So if you asked older people, more older people would know Sher's music and Sher than Mariah Carey. And then if you asked younger people, more younger people would know Mariah anyway. It was so stupid because I was trying to talk to them, like... They're normal human beings that can just accept factual information and they just would not let up on me with all of this crazy Mariah Carey standing and, like, dragging Cher and I'm just like, fuck people are... I won't say the word. (laughs) Fuck people are annoying on social media, aren't they? It's just like, my God. I mean, Mama knows today, like, the two main things are don't come in there f***ed up on drugs... And don't bring Gina or we're going to be out. Well, how are we going to know if she's, like, high or something? Trust me. We'll know. Okay. I am still watching my fave show, Mama June Road to Redemption. It is one of the only shows that I've been able to keep up with over the last few weeks. Like... Housewives is kind of becoming background viewing, although I am getting into Atlanta again now. It's kind of like picking up. I really like LaToya. She's just a mess. And love me some Kenya. And yeah, just Temptation Island. I've fallen off with that. Although if you're in Australia, the new season of Married at First Sight, Australia season eight, so fucking good. That I'm keeping on top of. That is like appointment TV for me. It's actually one of the best seasons they've done, I think. It's like off the charts. Love that. But besides Married at First Sight, it's all about Mama June Road to Redemption for me, although I am going to start watching Seeking Sister Wives soon because people will not shut up about this Seeking Sister Wives now. It feels like, I mean, I've always heard people talking about it, but now it seems to have really blown up with the new season that just came out a few weeks ago and everyone's saying it's like the best thing ever. So I am going to check that out. 
Anyway, Mama June, right? This episode was a bit of a filler episode, I think, because we're all waiting for Mama June to come face to face with Honey Boo Boo and Pumpkin again, because that's the moment we're all waiting for, and they're just dragging it out to keep us hooked on the season for longer. Last week, Mama June told her sister Dodo that she could be dying from lymphedema and that she had to see Honey Boo Boo again before she dies. And, you know, just so you know, if you're not up to date on this show, Honey Boo Boo is is estranged from both of her parents. So, Pumpkin, who is Honey Boo Boo's sister, she has full custody of her and her husband Josh is basically like Honey Boo Boo's father figure now. Well, this week, after Mama June had said that she was dying, now we find out that Honey Boo Boo's dad, Sugar Bear, could be dying of diabetes and that it's hereditary. So, now he needs to see Honey Boo Boo before... He dies. So now it's like a race against the clock because it's like Mama June's dying, Sugar Bear's dying, they're both estranged estranged from Alana, and it's like they need to like get back in contact with her. So is Sugar Bear really dying? I mean, I don't know. Does he really have diabetes? I don't know. All I know is that last week he had this scripted scene where he pretended to pass out in a toilet after eating too many donuts. Don't know if it's true or not, but it's a good storyline. So, Sugar Bear tells his wife, Jennifer, that he wants to reconnect with Alana again and that he's scared that she could have diabetes too. And Jennifer, who is the worst person ever next to Jen Shah, is like, who cares? She's going to kill you from all that stress. Like, I don't know if Jennifer really is this bad or if she just plays the villain on the show, but it's funny as fuck. And she's such a terrible actress, too, that whenever she has to deliver these fake lines, it's, like, always so wooden and awkward. And it, like, kills me every time. Meanwhile, Pumpkin is negotiating to meet up with Mama June again, but she says that June's druggy boyfriend, Gino, can't come. They have to keep it, you know, between the family for the reconciliation. And then they're like, you know what, we might talk to Gino in the future, but First, we have some things we want to say to you, Mama, in private. Alana needs to, like, confront you about a few things, so let's just keep Gino out of the picture. And Mama June isn't happy about it, and she's like, you know, well, I've been with Gino five years, and it ain't changing. It's like, can this woman please put her fucking kids in front of her boyfriend for once in her life? I mean, everything with Mama June is like a struggle when it comes to, like, prioritizing her kids. It's always like, you know, drugs or a man or something. It's like, girl... Your fucking mother, like, act like it. So, June finally agrees to meet the kids without Gino, and then the rest of the episode, like I said, is just kind of like filler so they can end it on a cliffhanger. Um, I knew they were going to do that, but I was still glued to, like, every second of this show. <laughs> so, right at the end, Gino, who tags along with fucking Mama June, they meet with Dr. Ish. He is the marriage boot camp therapist. So, right at the end of the episode, Gino and Mama June meet with Dr. Ish. Dr. Ish is the marriage boot camp therapist who is, like, basically has a supporting role on this show. And uh, they start asking questions about repairing the family. Dr. Ish tells them right off the bat, like, June, why the fuck did you bring Gino here and not listen to a word that Pumpkin says? And then Gino's like, no, I'm going to wait in the car. I just wanted to come a bit early to ask you how I can repair things with this family. And... You know, Dr. Ish is like, it's only been nine months and you you basically ran out on this family for a few years doing drugs. You sold the family home for drugs. I think they one of the daughters lost her car or something because Mama June, like, pawned it or I don't know. They were just 
this was some real deep damage. And now it's kind of like, now that they've gotten sober, they just expect everyone to like come back into their lives like normal. And it's like, no, there are some issues that we need to resolve. So stop being so fucking selfish. And I cannot wait for next week because they show that they actually do meet up and Honey Boo Boo is crying and she's confronting Mama June and she's like, you don't know how many nights I laid awake thinking you were dead, Mama. So I just need to see that. This poor, this poor, poor girl. I am rooting for her so much. She's just so positive and fun. And despite all like the crap that she's gone through, she just like keeps this bubbly attitude like it's the same attitude that we saw when she was a little kid on toddlers and tiaras doing the honey boo boo child thing so i just love her we must protect honey boo boo at all costs i want a honey boo boo cameo and i want to play it on the show so she, we can have like honey boo boo going hey y'all this is honey boo boo you're listening to unpopular i want that so when she's available on cameo again i'm gonna buy it Unless it's like $200, then maybe I won't. (laughs) But if it's cheap, I'm buying a Honey Boo Boo cameo. That's it for this week, guys. Thanks so much for listening. I am working on booking some juicy new interviews for you all because I have got a lot of feedback lately saying that, um, you know, you miss the interviews and you love my interviews. So... We are working on that. I have a lot of balls in the air with those things. It's hard because, you know, reality stars are like notoriously flaky and like hard to deal with it like not really on purpose it's just their personality types are like that that's why they make good television and then there's like pr people you've got to go through and it's a whole thing like i've been trying to get monique from potomac housewives on for a long time uh I'm friendly with her. She's agreed to do it, but I have to go through her publicist and her publicity people, they usually book her like a whole day of press in a row. So I think she just like marks out one day on her calendar and then she just does like all of her interviews in one day. And then it's like difficult because obviously I'm in Australia and there's a time difference and everything. So if we can't work it out on that day, then it's like, you know, we can't do it. So that's tough. Uh, Brandy Glanville has agreed to do my show before. She's unsurprisingly hard to pin down. Um, you know, I messaged her about it and, you know, I asked her and she was like, like I DM'd her right on Twitter. And I was like, you know, we do my show because we followed each other on Twitter for a long time. And she's like, Oh, sure, babe, I'd love to DM me. And I'm like, I'm, I am DMing you. And then I looked at her tweets on her timeline and think think our girl had had a bit to drink. So trying to pin down Brandy, who I love. Um, there's other people I'm trying to get on a New Jersey housewife. Um, who else? I mean, there's so many. There's a lot of people that I've been reaching out to. There's a lot of balls in the air. So I'm going to get on top of that because half of it's my fault for not chasing up certain things. Until then, you can follow me on social media, Twitter and Instagram at unpopularjp. If you would like to support the show, just go to buymeacoffee.com slash unpopularjp. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm losing my train of thought. Buymeacoffee.com slash unpopularjp. You can support the show. The money raised there goes towards covering all of like the monthly costs and everything. What else? Um, I think that's about it. Oh, remember to check me out on Mandy Sluska's podcast, Is This Real Life? I did a lot of Bravo chit-chat there. So if you want more Bravo from me, go listen to that. And I'm supposed to be on another big podcast this week, but I haven't heard from them yet. So I don't know if that's happening, but I don't know. There might be another podcast appearance from me this week as well. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening again. Have a happy Easter. Have a great week. And I will see you next episode.